everyone. I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. Kai is out today, but joining me is Marketplace's Matt Levin. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kimberly. Great to be with you as always. And thanks uh, to all of our listeners for joining us today on this Monday, November 13th. We're halfway through November. Oh, my God. No, we're not. Well, we're close to halfway through November. Oh, see, that's not how the math's math. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> we're, we're nearly halfway through November. That, that's close enough. I'll take the optimism. I mean, like we are we are getting close. It's getting it's actually starting to get chilly here in DC, uh, which it hasn't been because it was like eighty like a weekend ago, and I was just like, that's Ooh. not right. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> before we devolve in depression about climate change, let's do some news, and then we're going to do some smiles. So um, why don't you go first? What caught your eye in the news today or the weekend? Um. I am a big uh, movie fan. Um, mm-hmm. What's what's the last superhero movie you've gone to, Kimberly? Gone to like in the theater? In the yes, in the theater, like it's nineteen ninety seven. Ooh. So I actually went to the movies this weekend, but I saw Whoa. some like in- indie French film called Anatomy of a Fall, which was extraordinary. Oh yeah. Long. Uh, then before that, the last thing I saw was Dune, which is not a superhero movie. Um, and that was a year ago. Oh, I know. I know what the last, last superhero movie I went to see in a theater was Black Panther. Okay. Um, (laughs) no, I, I think that was the last, yeah, exactly. And I think that was the last superhero movie I actually went to go see in a theater as well. So it's been a while for me too. Um, and the reason pandemic in there, so. There was, but um, the reason I am asking you that question is that the latest incarnation of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, this was the Marvels, which is the Mm follow-up to uh, Captain Marvel, which came out a few years ago, did not so great. It was the lowest performing uh, Marvel movie in the history of the MCU. It only uh, grossed $47 in North America, which is pretty, pretty low for a Marvel movie. And it costs $220 million to produce. Um, so why, why should anyone care? Here, here is why people should care. One, I, I'm of two minds on this. Um, if you care about movies, I love going to the movies. I like taking my phone, putting it on uh, silent, and forcing myself to like actually be engaged with content without distraction for two and a half to three hours. Um, or actually hopefully less unless it's a Scorsese movie. Uh, I, mm-hmm. this is not so great news for movie theaters. Mo- There's a reason they call these MCU movies tent poles, right? The movie theaters have become increasingly reliant on your Ant-Mans, your Doctor Stranges, your uh, other, your Avengers for their revenues. And there is an open question as to whether theaters can kind of continue to exist without the, you know, uh, money stream that these superhero movies, no matter how you may feel about them, um, uh, if, if they're not performing like they used to. The, the other part of this is that's kind of interesting to me is 
I kind of despise these superhero movies. And I'm wondering if they're actually the long awaited cultural exhaustion that, you know, those of us who remember when there were more than superhero movies at the box office that we've kind of mm-hmm. been rooting for. Maybe that's finally arrived. It, it's not only the Marvels that have underperformed uh, the other Marvel movies that came out this year and Ant-Man sequel and Guardians of the Galaxy. They did better than this Marvel's movies, but they they underperformed as well. So there's this kind of feeling that maybe we finally reached peak superhero and maybe it's time for something else. See, I actually do want to go see this movie. Uh, I I watched Miss um, Marvel, which is the show on um, Disney Plus that one of the characters yeah. from the Marvels, and that was extraordinarily good. And then the character, um, and one of the other characters who's in this was in the the Marvel TV show about the witch. Um, ah, anyway, the. I don't know all the characters. Anyhow, I actually so, am excited to see this movie because, A, I love the fact that they've got, you know, three women leads and two of them are women of color. And I'm a bit worried about how this sort of landing with the thud, how people are going to, you know, potentially use it, use it as an excuse to uh, not invest in movies. WandaVision. Thank you, Bridget Bodner. WandaVision was the TV show I was thinking of. One of the <laughs> other main characters was in WandaVision. Anyhow, um, I wonder, though, how much this poor opening is reflective of how people are feeling about superhero movies as opposed to the effect of the SAG after strikes and the fact that the, these no characters, promotion. The, the actors, they couldn't go out and promote it. They couldn't walk the red carpet. They couldn't do events. They couldn't be on social media. They couldn't do late night talk shows. And that is something that all the other Marvel movies have had. In their rollout. And so I I just – I don't know how big of a impact that had, but I'm sure it had something. And so I, I hope that, you know, this makes up some ground. I do plan to go see it, and now I feel a little sad, a little guilty I didn't go see it on opening weekend because I guess that's when they <laughs> care about the numbers. But, you know, I'll go see it. I'll go see it. Uh, well, I, I suppose good for you. The the um, the counter argument would be in terms of the promotion argument, um, Barbie and Oppenheimer, right? Like those were two movies that were also happening or very early on in the sex. No, because they had been they had been promoting it up until. You know, they came out very soon after the strike started, so it's not like they missed a big run-up in the promotion. So the Barbie movie had been heavily promoted um, leading up to it. Although I also didn't see a lot of billboards and things for, you know, the Marvels and the way that you saw for the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer and stuff. Yeah, that's right. I I guess uh, what I meant was it wasn't like Margot Robbie was out there or Robbie, I'm sorry, uh, was out there um, on like late night television shows before the the movie actually came out. Um, Yeah, I just think that maybe there was even a bigger marketing budget allotted to it because how much promotional material did you see for the Barbie movie compared to the promotional material you saw for the Marvels? Yeah. Well, I you can you can stand on Marvel's Island. Let me know how it is. I'm I'm curious to see if it's any good. Yeah, I will let you know once I actually go see it. All right. Okay. Uh, we went on for a very long time about that. <laughs> I had strong feelings. Strong feelings. Uh, okay. So I have two little bits of news. Um, number one was just an interesting story I saw. 
and Reuters about um, the banks connected to the Zelle payment app actually starting to refund people for scams. Now, there had been scams going around for the longest on Zelle, and a lot of times people were not able to get their money back because it was just um, – it was sort of like an as-cash thing. And so there was a lot of pressure from Washington and investigations mm-hmm. and – there was an increasing risk that there was going to be some regulatory crackdowns on these apps and things like that. And so now all of a sudden, uh, Zelle and a lot of the banks connected to it are starting to refund people for uh, the money they lost to scams. So if that was you, you may want to double check and, and see if you might be eligible. Um, yes. So and the it, reason one of these the reason these scams were particularly successful is because they actually did get the users to authorize the payments through the app but it was yeah. often just like not who they thought they were sending money to so um so now it says lenders on Zelle are also now required to implement a tool that flags trans- transfers with risky attributes such as payment to an account that has never transacted on the Zelle network and that um, Zelle has seen a step change reduction in fraud and scam rates this year um, but declined to provide more details to Reuters. Um, Are you on Venmo, Kimberly? Yes. Have you ever uh, received money accidentally or delivered money accidentally to someone on Venmo? No. No. Um, I have. Someone gave me a thousand dollars. I think it was a thousand. It was at least multiple hundreds. Ooh, ethical dilemma. What did you do? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much of a dilemma it, it is. I I gave it back, but there was nothing. Okay, I was about to say. Did you? Did you not feel? <laughs> that no, gone no, a couple I, different ways. I'm so glad you gave it back. I would have felt terrible. I wouldn't trust you ever again. <laughs> I'd be like terrible colleague. But, but that's the thing. There's no there wasn't any recourse, at least when that happened on Venmo. Like the guy yeah. just was like, you're the wrong Matt Levin. Can you please give me my money back? I, it was <laughs> I felt really bad for him. It's like, oh, you're lucky I'm you know, I can actually do this for you. Well, and lucky that you're a good person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, one more uh, news item that I had um, and I lost it now. Here we go. Uh, so as <laughs> we've talked about here before, and, and we will probably talk about again, we are on our way potentially to another partial government shutdown because government funding yeah. runs out at the end of the week. Obviously, the House Republicans are working on a plan to try to get some sort of funding package through perhaps a laddered uh, continuing resolution, which is weird. But one of the things I hadn't thought about until I read it about it in The Hill uh, today is that if there is a shutdown, it's going to coincide with the Thanksgiving travel season, which is expected to be the busiest since before the pandemic. Oh, no. Uh, and that means that all of those um, air traffic controllers, all those TSA agents will have to be working without pay. Now, they probably will get their paycheck that like even if there's a shutdown on once funding runs out at the end of the week, they still will get another paycheck during the shutdown from, you know, time worked before. So they won't feel the hit immediately. A shutdown would have to go for a while before they'd have actually miss a paycheck. But 
You could just throw an extra snarl into Thanksgiving travel, which is worth monitoring if uh, this indeed does end up getting messier. So, yeah, yeah. I'm sure Congress's approval ratings will, if they could go negative, if people get stuck at the airport oh, yeah, <laughs> for Thanksgiving the weekend. Yeah. It's like, um, thanks, Congress. You made me miss Thanksgiving with my family, which gives even more fodder for those complicated political discussions around the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> Yay. Hooray. All right, let's move on to some smiles. <laughs> All right, you go ahead. Um, okay, so some good news, I suppose, on the uh, climate change front. Um, apparently, deforestation. Hooray! It. That's right. Um, deforestation in the Amazon is at a five-year low, which sounds like a good thing. So um, Brazil uh, said, I believe this was Friday that. Uh, there's been a 22% decrease in deforestation between um, August of last year and July of this year, um, which is believed to have reduced the country's greenhouse gas emissions by 7.5%. This is mostly because there's new political leadership in Brazil, um, which is a bit more environmentally friendly, and they've imposed higher penalties on deforestation. So it's I, I'm always hungry for good climate change news. Shout out to uh, How We Survive, our climate change solutions podcast yes i will take the wins where we can get them (laughs) exactly what do you got kimberly um it's a story about cocktails because cocktails are (laughs) something i enjoy and i i like it this i actually spotted it last week and i had no idea that this was a thing but uh state lawmakers in wisconsin are making the old-fashioned cocktail um, the official state Wisconsin state cocktail, but, but not a regular old fashioned. Apparently in Wisconsin, they make it with brandy instead of whiskey or bourbon, which I did not know was a thing. So a bipartisan resolution declaring brandy, the old fashioned is the brandy old fashioned is the official Wisconsin state cocktail. One approval Thursday in the state assembly. It's a resolution, not a bill. Uh, so it won't make it onto the list of the other official state symbols, but getting that level of recognition is a lot more. But anyway, this is so interesting. I'm just going to read a little bit. Uh, so for the sure. unfamiliar, the old-fashioned cocktail in just about every uh, every place other than Wisconsin is traditionally made with a whiskey like bourbon, sugar, and bitters. But in Wisconsin, brandy usually replaces whiskey, and it's most often poured over a mixture of muddled cherries, orange slices, sugar, and bitters. Depending Mm -hmm. on how sweet or sour the imbiber likes it, the concoction is then topped with a lemon-lime soft drink, sour mix, club soda, or some combination, which just, no. Um, (laughs) Oh, I guess that answers my – oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, uh, Democratic Representative Ryan Clancy, in a pun-filled and lighthearted speech, said that adding savory ingredients to an old-fashioned, like pickled vegetables, which apparently they also do, <laughs> is – it says like pickled mushrooms and even Brussels, Brussels sprouts – is an abomination that should be a felony offense. Quote, I felt stirred to speak today as a father, as a bartender, as an American, Clancy said. I need to be on record saying there's only one acceptable style of drink, the brandy sweet old-fashioned, not the brandy savory old-fashioned. Nice. Take a a stand. 
Yeah. I was going to ask if this was going to be your drink on Friday. Of course it is. Of course it is. What 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 else could I do with this information but try to make a brandy old fashioned? Have you met <laughs> you, me? <laughs> you, you sounded so disgusted by it, though. I'm disgusted by the idea of putting pickled vegetables into an old fashioned. But I mean, people do it with Bloody Mary. But yeah. also, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, Sour mix or lemon lime soda yeah, into like an old fashioned. Also, like that's 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 doing a lot. Um, but you know, while we're here, if you're from Wisconsin and have thoughts on this and want to share that, please send us a voice memo. Uh, give us a call. I need <laughs> I need more information and details on this. And while we're at it, I would love to hear from everyone what they think their their state cocktail, like their official state cocktail, should be. Like, obviously, if you go down to Louisiana, they're big on the Sazeracs and things like that. And in this article, I think there's two other states that actually do. Yeah, only two states have an official state spirit. Alabama and Virginia both have whiskey as their official state spirit. But what would be your official state cocktail? I'm trying to think out what a state cocktail for Missouri would be. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know for Where are you California originally from? either. Southern California. Maybe it would be like a a wine-based cocktail. Can you have Ugh. a wine-based cocktail? No, because you need a spirit for a cocktail. Yeah, exactly. Mind. You need a spirit for a cocktail. I don't know. I'm sure this is high on the priority list for Gavin Newsom here. Um, yes, to get a, absolutely. So. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, folks, let us know. What's, what, what do you think your uh, state cocktail should be? And uh, if you have thoughts on the brandy old fashioned. But yeah, uh, that Mar- was my make Mar- me smile. Marissa just nailed it for, for California. It's a Michelada. That's, that's oh, what it is. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good call, Marissa. All right. Well, that's one down. Let's get the rest. Um, Okay. So that is it for us today. Uh, Tomorrow, you can join us for our weekly deep dive. We are going to continue our series on climate solutions because, you know, Matt was bringing the good news. Um, Last week, we talked about carbon capture. Tomorrow, we're going to dig in on carbon credits. And that's going to be with Nova Cepho and I. And Nova's going to be here. And we're going to get smart on what carbon credits are, how they work, and why they can be so controversial. So please join us, send in your questions. You can reach us at makemesmart at marketplace.org and 508-UB-SMART. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's program was engineered by Drew Jostad. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter and our intern is Neil Farshabandi. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. You really going to see that movie, Kimberly? Yeah. Maybe I'll have a brandy old-fashioned at the same time. (laughs) You might need one. (laughs) We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. 
I'm Rima Kreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.